Now looks we can really have fun. an all-white podcast with only <laughs> white people. Yeah. Not <laughs> Nick, just the whites. It's like a like when you wash the whites all together, but it's our whole podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the third episode of the TLDR Podcast. I'm Steven. I'm Peter. Normally, I introduce the podcast. I don't care, Nick. I'm Will. The audience did not vote on their phones like you said to. He's Nick. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're going to start off with a little bit of discussion on a, a news phenomenon that we that we noticed a few weeks ago. Quite the phenomenon. What's the phenomenon, Stephen? The phenomenon is Florida man who strikes again and strikes many, many times. R slash mm, Florida man, Stephen? Yeah, this is this is where I'm getting these uh, news pieces, and we'll just go to the top one for this week. And it says, uh, "Florida man hacks bank, tries to steal seven billion dollars because Jesus wanted him to be rich." <laughs> mm, that's classic Florida man for you, right there. Well, what's oh, a, what's another funny headline? Oh, dude, this Steven? one is gold. Florida man shoots neighbor's cat because it looked at him like he owned the place. <laughs> dude, uh, that's when my golden, cat looks and also like classic Florida man. Uh, so I'm going to be looking at these as well. I'm looking at the top of all time. Ooh. Um, the all time. <laughs> Florida man passes a joint to a cop while illegally parked in a handicapped spot <laughs> with a gun in his car. <laughs> oh my God. This one is scary. It just says Florida man is on the loose. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, wait. This one is, okay, wait till the end. Florida man has been arrested three times, once for trying to board an airplane with a loaded gun, fired five times, and caught with cocaine and counterfeit cash in his squad car. He is a cop of 20 years. (laughs) Florida's finest, folks. Not to diss Florida, but also to diss Florida. This is a kind of interesting one. Oh my god, this one one is gruesome. Oh, go ahead. Hold on. Florida man rips out girlfriend's intestines after she says ex's name during sex. That doesn't seem like a thing That's you can just a do. Thing. That's for the bad. for those listening at home, we hope you notice the explicit sign next to our podcast <laughs> name. Viewer discretion uh, is advised. The thing is, that's initially there because I said the fuck word one time. Oh no, not that word. I and, said it. And that time, right times. then, actually, Nick. Mm. Well, we have one. Florida man tossed a live gator through a Wendy's drive-through. Ah, how that do was you, a classic. How <laughs> do you even amazing, do that, dude? <laughs> live gator through. Oh, this actually, this whole thing reminds me. Of oh my god, um, of something that's kind of similar except for Australia, and there's one that's like man squeezed to death by python in own home, <laughs> in Australia. Guys, I found one. A Florida, which woman... is really scary, but also <laughs> a, a Florida woman has been accused of taking methamphetamine and driving a motorized shopping cart through a Walmart while drinking wine and eating sushi and cinnamon rolls. That sounds like a combination that would make me immediately vomit. I don't know, dude. Pushy's pretty good. Yeah, Pushy. While I do yeah. my business, let's uh, let, let's summarize what Pushy is All real right, quick. So Pizza and sushi. Day, right. So uh, the other day, me and Will and Peter were we were like, guess oh, who they didn't bring? You had already eaten some food. I don't see that as an excuse. Also, we hate Stephen. Also, you super hate Stephen, but don't tell him. It's okay. I'm the funniest one on the podcast. Okay, so we lies, deception, <laughs> references. <laughs> That was a reference or something? Anyway. That's a reference to Rogue One. We went, to, we, <laughs> <laughs> we, went to, we went to a sushi place. Traitor! <laughs> that's, that's not even how it's references It's a similar work. movie. 
we went to the fucking, we got sushi, and then we were like, it wasn't that much food. We were still hungry. And then but we it got wasn't pizza, enough. And we got pizza, and it was like, a pushy. Ah, it's the end of the story. Yay. It's a funny joke. It's a funny meme. Anyways. Florida man shoots Pokemon Go players outside his house. Oh, God. That did happen. I knew I some people didn't news. like Pokemon Go, but goddamn. That um, seems like a... Oh my god, Dude, guys. Fucking harsh reaction. Holy shit. Florida woman plans to take her gun into Target bathrooms to protect herself from transgender people. She plans to? Yeah. Like, is this what? something that she's like told police yeah, okay, or and or so news? Bad. Like, what the fuck? She hasn't done this? <laughs> my god. Oh my god. Florida man, congressman who voted for drug testing food stamp recipients busted for cocaine. That just seems like a normal thing that happens all day. You know who don't read books? This was a bad segment. Floridians. What a great transition from Steven because now we're going to talk about some books because we, you know, we've talked about movies a lot for the last two episodes. So so, we're going to do it again. So we might as well talk about some books too. Let's talk about some books first. We are finna talk about some books. I I have a, a sort of idea for how to begin this topic, which is to ask you all what was the last book. That really influenced like your thoughts on something Ooh. on like a certain topic, well, uh, or like I've made never... you change opinions on something, or like just altered the way that you like viewed something. I I've guess. never read a book, so nice. Fucking so we're already classic off to Alabama. A great start. I have. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't actually know. Um, Is this fiction uh, or nonfiction? It either. could be either. It doesn't really matter. Oh, okay, cool. I don't read a lot of nonfiction, which See, I should do. I used to not read that much nonfiction, but then I took a class last semester. Called America's role in foreign politics, and the guy that taught it, Mr. James B. Citrick, was um, was very into, and he knew a lot of authors of very influential books. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a book called Thirteen Days. Nice. Uh, highly recommended. It. It's not very long. It's only uh, it's like 140 pages or so. Mm-hmm. How many days did it take you to read it, Nick? Uh, like two. Not thirteen. Uh, no. Nick, come on. I set you up there. <laughs> um. Um, yeah, it, it's only 142 pages long, and it, um, it, it's about the Cuban Missile Crisis, right? Oh, cool. Uh, for those of you who don't know, very interesting period of time in American history. Uh, the, the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, covered a time period, you know, during the Cold War, and, uh, Russia put a bunch of missiles in Cuba, and then, um... Nick, I think everyone knows what the Cuban Missile Crisis Well, um, well President John F. Kennedy, uh, solved it, Right. The way he did it was very interesting because it I, I mean I don't want to go into current politics, so I'm gonna to try to keep it as far away from that as possible. Uh, but but something that was very interesting is throughout the Cuban Missile Crisis, President John F. Kennedy uh, treated uh, the Russian leader Khrushchev with a whole lot of respect, right and like very much like he was like one of the things he said was you know never, um, never make someone feel like you're putting them in a humiliating position or anything like that. Uh, and, you know, make sure that you try to consider all possibilities. So that was one thing. And then another thing was how just logical um, JFK and also, according to a lot of people who know him, President Barack Obama was about just like not, oh, what's the best thing to do for like justice and stuff, but, you know, what is the most logical thing that will give us the most positive outcome? It was completely utilitarian. Um, And, you know, I highly recommend reading it. Uh, The process of negotiation was very, very interesting and intense. Um, and, you know, learning about how, like, you know, the application of the current day politics of, you know, treating opposition leaders with respect, um, being logical and rational about things, uh, really put, 
like a lot of like the you can learn from history thing in a perspective for me. Hmm. So I know that's not really like a oh look at this fucking cool book that I read, uh, but it is the most recent oh. book that I read that really changed my mind I, on something. I have something hmm. that relates to that because I recently took a game theory class in uh, college, and I can't remember what the book is called, but it's written by uh it's written by Stephen J. Brands, who was my professor, and he he has a few books that are all pretty good, but just. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it really changed my thinking, but it was a really just interesting thing to read and, and kind of just learn more about the ideas of game theory. Yeah, like, I, I also took a game theory class last semester, though it was international politics focused. Like, the way that you can turn complex decisions and actions and, you know, just choices into numbers, and the fact that you do that in your mind without noticing is really crazy to me because, like, there's this formula that you can use to be like, oh, like if there's like a this much percent chance of um, it being cold in London, then if I'm somewhere that's cold, what is the chance that I'm in London, right? Mm-hmm. Those are not the same number. That wasn't a really good explanation of it. But just the, the, the amount of math that our brains do without realizing that it's math, the amount that we are calculating all the time is really, really astonishing. Um, and the next time you next time you're like about to go somewhere or do something – and start thinking, oh, well, this is a positive of this thing. This is a positive of another thing. Um, but, like, and you start weighing them against each other. And, you know, when you have two non-perfect choices and when you weigh them against each other, you're doing math in your brain even if you don't notice it. Uh, and that really opened my eyes to, like, the value of mathematics. Mm. Well, yeah. If I want to say a real book that influenced me, it's A Clockwork Orange. But we've already got we go. it. We'll talk about that one. That's real good. Catch-22. Oh, real thanks. good. Mm-hmm. Okay, but A Clockwork Orange is really interesting. From a writing perspective, um, because it gets you, uh, if you haven't read the book, I'm not going to spoil it, but a lot of it um, is kind of made-up language. The author made up words. They're Russian-influenced, but they're made-up words. Mm. And uh, initially, when you start the book, it kind of gives you, uh, you're kind of pushed away from the character. There's a lot of violence in the book, and the character is kind of unlikable. So it pushes you even further away from him when he uses this language that you don't really understand. But as you learn to understand the language throughout the book, it inadvertently brings you closer to the character and you relate more to him because he also uses that language. So even at the end of the book, when he's like a terrible person, you still relate to him. And it's a really interesting thing. Just like you're waiting to Anakin Skywalker at the end of Revenge of the Sith, even though he becomes a bad guy. You don't. No, you don't. Alex from Clockwork Orange is a little bit... Different than Anakin Skywalker, I would say. Uh, a little bit. But Yeah, he I, likes sand. Yeah. Well, well uh, they both kill younglings, so... That's true. Um, I, I thought that having never read the actual book of A Clockwork Orange, but having seen the film version, I do think that it's a really interesting story, but obviously, uh, you know, Will's read the book. He can speak more about the writing style than I can, but I think that that's, that's very interesting. Um, because I think that a lot of writers sort of employ strategies like that where they'll sort of insert something or do something that that like like kind of like what Will was saying with like the made up language that's not real russian but sounds like it you know it sort of creates this almost false pretense of intellectualism within the book even though it might might not actually be there in some cases and that's kind of the case with this book that I'm reading right now 
um, for my intro to comparative lit class called Wonderful, Wonderful Times, which is about post-World War II Austria and these teens, these edgy teens that go around, like, beating people up and and just committing crimes because they think, like, whatever anarchy, nihilism, we're so intellectual, we're so above everyone, you know, we're, we're, we're sticking it to the man and to society. What happens, though, is that they're... What my professor and my TA were discussing about the book was that these kids, right, they believe that they're, like, causing this senseless violence, right? That's the whole point of what they're doing is we're, we're just going to do this for absolutely no reason, anarchy. And they go out and they beat up this old man, but then they end up taking his wallet, you know? So it's like, it's not really for nothing. They're taking his wallet and they're stealing his possessions. It's not as if they just beat him up and then left him there on the ground. Nothing happened. So they, they want to believe that they're... <laughs> these sort of, you know, edgy, like, I don't know how to phrase it, but they want to believe that they're this this new generation of new thinkers, and then they don't do anything original or new. And so that's, like, a really interesting part of the, the discussion about the sort of climate of post-war Europe, specifically the areas of Germany and, and Austria, and what the sort of younger generations were thinking directly after a lot of their fathers and mothers and things came back from the losing side of World War Two. It was a super, super interesting uh, discussion. Frankly, it sounds like a lot of teens nowadays. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, also something that's interesting about it is that um, the, the author uses something that I didn't know the term for until today when my TA said it, but it's very weird. It's called free indirect discourse, and it's a method of, of narration where basically the author jumps around from different characters' points of views internally and externally and does not use quotation marks when they speak so basically you have to kind of decipher whether this is a thought they're having internally or saying to the rest of the group and it kind of makes it interesting because you're reading it and you're like wait a minute what are they saying this doesn't sound like a thing that you should be saying out loud to a person so you kind of it's very interesting because it's like it's just confusing as you read and then you reread it a couple times and you're like oh i get it they're saying this is an internal monologue or something but i had never read a book like this before where there's just no quotation marks nothing of that sort so it kind of jumps around yeah uh, like cormac mccarthy does that yeah it's a puzzle book cormac <laughs> mccarthy does that a lot and it's really interesting you know yeah like that? with uh, the road right yeah i haven't yeah. read the road but i read uh, blood meridian and there's no indentions for dialogue i mm-hmm. Usually there's not quotation marks. Yeah. And it doesn't ever say who's speaking. So you just kind of have to infer. Yeah. And I've heard that like the road is almost one continuous sentence. I, as, I haven't read it, but I, 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 yeah, he doesn't use punctuation very often. Yeah. Have you, re- have you guys read The Sound and the Fury? Uh, yes, no. I have. That, that is an interesting book. Yeah. <laughs> that book is, is really hard to read sometimes. Yeah. And it's, yeah. No, because if you guys don't know, like it's told through the perspective of four brothers. Yeah. Four, right? I think. Uh, there's three. I don't remember. Yeah, I read it but a while either ago. Way, but one, yeah. they're actually coming out with a, James Franco is doing a movie on it. I think. Yeah, he is. And like one of the brothers is like mentally deficient. Mm. So when you're reading it from his perspective, it's there's no punctuation at all in the entire chapter. It's like sixty pages of no punctuation, and you just have no idea what's going on. And sometimes the sentences don't make sense. Even, yeah. Even the sentences that are in there just have no meaning at all because he's mentally deficient and can't put thoughts together. So it's it's you read the first parts and the first parts are tough to get through because the subject matter is pretty tough. Yeah. But but then you get to that part and you're just like what 
the hell is happening right what, now? It's like an English teacher's wet fucking dream. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. I read it the summer before senior year, going into senior year, and I remember we had to write, you know, about uh, the books that we read over the summer on one of the first days of class, and I sat down, and I wrote about the first book I read, no problem. And then I got to The Sound of the Fury, and I was like, okay, how am I going to tackle this? How am I going to write about this? And I remember saying to myself, okay, first two parts I can do. Third part, I literally have no clue what's yeah, going on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hated it in the moment, but I also now, when I don't have to do things like that, come and write about it on the first day, I have really like that format of yeah. just confusing your audience in a way that's unconventional. And not maybe not to the point where things don't make sense, but I like it when authors do things that are not to the norm, when they're a bit edgy, as they say. A bit on the edgy side. Can I talk about a short story that I liked? Yeah. yeah, do it. All right, there's this guy. His name is George Saunders. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he's pretty big in the short story community. Yeah, I've heard that's of the community. He's uh, I read, I read, I had to read a couple of his stories for class last year actually, and they're like really good. My favorite one was called John, and it's mm-hmm. about this kid. His name is John. Spoilers, uh, and he's like, it's so hard to describe. He's like in advertising camp, but it's not like a camp. It's like, it's like they breed kids to be like market it's so hard to describe it's really cool though mm-hmm. and it's about like how ignorance is bliss and like it's like there's a lot of philosoph- philosophical things and there's things that comment on modern day and it's about love mm-hmm. and happiness and life and it's good you should read john i wrote john. Uh, i wrote a short story called john in high school for my creative writing class oh snap what was your it wasn't from? nearly that good it was about a boy who died in a car wreck oh boy that sounds heavy. Oh, it was a little sad. Yeah, that does sound a little. It was sad. a it was a free verse poem <laughs> <laughs> that I had to I had to write it for nice. class. Can, well, did you perform it on some no, kind of stage? You don't perform. It's for creative writing class. It's not for. Mm-hmm. Can, can you, you perform, perform it for right us? Now? I don't remember it. See, here's just the thing. Whatever is, you can off the top of your head. There's go. no words. It just it was about how someone was like the girl in the back seat of this car was fixing her dress, so she unbuckled the seatbelt. And she flew out through the front windshield. God damn. Rip girl. Yeah, she died. And then also the little boy in the back of the other car died, and his name was John. And it was about how, like, it went into, like, how his grandmother bought him stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it was, like, talking about that, and then, oh, he's dead now. And it was was pretty sad. (laughs) That's sad. Same. Do you see the thing for me about poetry, right, is that it's boring until... Brian Cranston reads Ozymandias in a cool way on Breaking Bad. I performed then, Ozymandias. Okay, so and in, then you're like, oh my god. In <laughs> high school, we Whoa. had to we had to pick a, a poem um, of that structure and analyze it and write a lot about it and perform it for the class from memory. Mm-hmm. So I picked Ozymandias. Uh, my teacher was like, you know, everyone was picking poems, and my teacher, um, who's like one of my favorite teachers ever, his name is Mr. Worley. Mr. Worley, listen to the podcast. Shout out to Mr. Worley. Shout out to Mr. Worley. He's he was really cool. He pulled me aside and he's like, "Hey Nick, I have a poem for you that I think you would really like." And then he showed me Ozymandias, and it was so fucking good. Yeah, um, a really good poem. So yes, I I think that that's really good. Uh, in terms of short stories, there's a, a really 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 good short story that's like pretty short. It's not like it will not fit into a book. It'll be like a few pages. So in a book. it is a short story. You but would say it's a very short story. Mm-hmm. It's not like a novella. It's a short story, and it's um. It's by Isaac Asimov, and it's called The Last Question. Um, it is so good. It spans, like, billions of years of, like, into the future and stuff. Uh, but it's basically – it explores the question of, like, of entropy. So essentially, like, you know, 
you know how like energy is always going to try to find the simplest way out, right? Mm-hmm. Like the whole point of like of the concept of entropy is that everything tries to like go from like higher concentration to lower concentration of energy, right? That's how all of our society works. Everything that happens is based on that, right? And there's going to be a point when the entire universe in billions and billions and billions of years after everything, everyone is dead. In billions of years, it's going to be at a completely like stable state of entropy, right? Energy will be at its simplest form, completely thinly distributed, and no change will happen because all the energy has been like used up to say, right? Hmm. There's no there's no way for something to keep on going when all of the energy is gone. Right. So that means that there's going to be a point like in the infinite future where, you know, progress will just stop being made. Mm. Right? There will be no more life, no more movement, no more change. Uh, if you if you're interested in this concept because I'm not explaining it properly and you're like, that can't be true. Uh, look up heat death, right? Just Google heat death of the universe and you'll come up. Mm. So this story, um, it, it explores like three sort of g- generations of people. Um, well, like, you know, the first one is like in a current day and they ask a computer, like, how would you solve this problem? The computer's like, there's no fucking way to do that. I don't know. And then it, it leap year, it leaps like into like a spacefaring civilization future. And that's, and they add, and they, it's like, it's, it's, it's each like a scene of just dialogue between two people discussing the question. Uh, and they're like, oh, I don't know. How would that work? Let's like, let's ask this really, really, really advanced computer that we have in a space marine civilization. And the computer's like, I don't know. And then it, and then it leaps like, you know, trillions of years into the future with like with beings that don't exist physically anymore, right? When you've like just completely transcended everything, and they ask themselves the question, or like or like, and they they also don't know the answer. Uh, and then this is gonna be a spoiler for the end of it, but it's not really a spoiler because this is just the point of the story is not for there to be an ending. The point of the story is for you to consider the question. Mm. Um, at the end, this like infinite being uh, is like there. There's no solution, no solution, and then it leaps way more into the future again. And then it, it, it just says, let there be light, and there was light. Ooh. It's really interesting. It's like, it, it, it basically, the point is like, at the, the end, Isaac... of the universe? Well, question? no, Isaac Asimov is just like, look, there's no way for anything to come out of a complete, like, heat-death universe. So mm-hmm. if anything is to come from it, it would be from, like, God or whatever. But, like, huh. it, it's just, like, an interesting... It, by doing that, he's basically saying... There's no way around this, mm. uh, and it's it's a very very interesting like very like deep short story, uh, and I highly recommend reading it. It's really well written, really short. You can find it online. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Speaking before we move on, speaking of um, stories where it doesn't give you a real answer but just asks you to ponder the question, there I think I believe uh, I think I've told Nick about this. If not all of you guys, but this book that I read my senior year of high school in my English class called In the Lake of the Woods, which was one of the coolest, most interesting novels I've ever read by Tim O'Brien. and Great author. A, Tim O'Brien's a great author. It's a fairly famous novel, so I wouldn't be surprised if people have heard of it. But spoilers for the novel for people who haven't uh, read it slash heard of it. So basically what happens in the book is that there's this guy, John Wade, who is a guy who lives in Minnesota, and his wife, Kathy, and they go to this old cabin in the woods in Minnesota where they live to like unwind for a weekend. And basically the next morning Kathy is missing and no one knows what happened. And so the police like start questioning everything and everyone and trying to find out what happened. And basically what the novel does is it gives you 
possible scenarios for what could have happened and also includes information on John Wade's past and his personality throughout the book. Then there are two or three chapters that are just testimony to the police from local people in the town on what they think happened. So it's like an interview and with with dialogue. So it's like policeman one. What do you think happened? You know, Susan or whatever her name is. Well, I didn't see anything. But and so that's a really cool way to integrate other styles of narrative into the book. And at the end, he doesn't tell you exactly what did happen, but he's like, based on the information that I've presented to you about John Wade as a person and his character and his past and the possible scenarios that might have played out, which do you, the reader, want to infer happened based on the information that you've been presented with? And so I think I was initially a little bit disappointed by that, but then as I kept thinking about it, I kept realizing more and more how cool that is because it's like you're expecting this to just be a crime mystery novel with an ending but then it doesn't have an ending because it's like this is a feasible thing that could happen in the real world and when there's an investigation like this where no one really knows what happened except for maybe john question mark then it becomes a real game of cat and mouse and i thought it was a really cool like kind of like what you were saying no answer given but just ponder the question. That's love, really interesting. I yeah. love that kind of philosophy too. Like, can you judge someone based on their past? And does mm-hmm. that mean, like, did he do this? Yeah. Like that's that's also like a big thing with criminals, right? And like trying to judge. Um, like, uh, I think that's that's a lot of the argument with incarceration and with reincarceration, ar- especially re- yeah. reincarceration, especially, especially. And not to get into a topic as serious as this, but like the whole death penalty argument too. You know about whether or not someone's past actions justify even more extreme actions in the future. Yeah. I think that's a that's kind of an interesting question that we we as a society have been debating for a long, long time. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm going to try to read that book. Yeah. Um, I think mm-hmm. what we should do now is move on from these, like, oh, look at me, I'm a college student, and all these, like, serious books I've read, mm-hmm. to, like, let's talk about some books that we read, like, as kids, right? Mm-hmm. What book can I can I really quick jump in here? Sure. I just want to say something. My dad just sent me a text, and he said, <laughs> "This is gonna be good." We <laughs> just watched Avengers: Civil War. It started out kind of slow, but picked up, and turned out good. I thought. Now I have to go watch the previous ones. <laughs> nice. So I'm waiting Amazing. for I'm waiting for him to text me. I just watched Civil War again. It had a different title this time, but it was the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, my gosh. Um, wait, I'm confused. Did he watch Avengers or did he watch Civil he wa- War? He watched Civil War, but he, uh, didn't, he th- thought it was called Avengers Civil War because obviously. Rising. Right. Um, I, so, anyways, <laughs> books that we read as a kid. Um, so, I think the first book that comes to mind as a book that got our generation interested in reading mm-hmm. There are two that come to mind. HP? Primarily Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Whether or not whether mm-hmm. or not you think that it's well written or not or a good story or not, like the book series made millions of kids fall in love with reading and I think it's important to give it credit for that. Mm-hmm. So that's the first one. And the also, second one, it is well written. The it, books are well written. Yeah, they're good books. <laughs> they're fine. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, like I mean if you read them as if they're supposed to be like The Great Gatsby, then you're going to be disappointed. But don't whoa, read them like whoa, that. Whoa, whoa, well, whoa. hold on. I'm going to go mm. as far as to say the Harry Potter books are better written than The Great Gatsby. Mm. I Gatsby's do not, not like great. The Great Gatsby. It's not great. Mm. Ooh, great Gatsby is mm. one of my favorite books. Me too. So I'm, like so mediocre I'm gonna, Gatsby. I'm going to – Hats off to Will for The Great 
I'm, I'm going to be hesitant on that one, but I will say that I, I it's, love it's, the story. It's better written than I love Potter, the story but... of Harry Potter. It's cleverly written. Um, I think that J.K. Rowling has an immense talent for being able to plan out that whole series. Yeah. You know, oh, when, yeah. Whenever authors are able to do that, when they're able to take a starting concept, literally map the whole thing out on paper, and then write based on their plan, that's amazing. Dude, there's an image that's that was really floating cool. around, I think maybe Twitter, uh, uh, like a year or two ago, that was J.K. Rowling's, like, initial plan for uh, Half-Blood Prince. Uh-huh. By the way, like, we're going to be spoiling Harry Potter, but it's your fault, because read Harry Potter, please. Dumbledore dies. Well, we, he just said we're going to be spoiling it, so it's, that's fine. Yeah, Snape kills fine. him. Mm. Snape kills Dumbledore. Darth Vader's Luke's father. And he sits on the side of the thing, and Snape is sad and dead. And then you like Snape, but he's dead. How dare you stand where he stood? Ooh, that was, that was, okay, we'll talk about the movies later. But, um. The there's an image online that's like J.K. Rowling just had a sheet of binder paper and she just drew like a bunch of lines across it and then wrote like sort of chapter titles across the top. Mm. And then uh, each row was like a different storyline. So she's like Harry's love life, Harry Hermione relationship, mm. Harry Ginny relationship, Hermione Ron relationship, whatever. And then like Horcruxes. Uh, like fucking Dumbledore <laughs> shit. What? Horcruxes? Right? Question all, all this stuff. And then she just like for each chapter. She just goes, she went and she like put what's happening for each of those storylines. Some of them didn't have storylines in each chapter or whatever. But, and then, and then when she went to write it, she already knew like, oh, these are all the things that are happening in this chapter. Weave them together in a way that's realistic that lets all the stories progress simultaneously. Really yeah. good yeah. planning on her part. Unlike our boy George R.R. R. Martin. I was about to say that. God, fucking, fuck that guy. Who's just like, <laughs> who's like, I'm not an architect, I'm a gardener. That's what he says, um, and so he's like, I'm just going to let the stories go the way I want them to go. And what that means is between the first few books, you have, like, two to three-year gaps, and then between, like, the the third and fourth and fifth books, you have, like, five-year gaps, six-year gaps, mm-hmm. and then now it's, it's been, been, like, been six years, six right? years yeah. and he's not even close to finishing the next book. George R.R. R. Martin, get oh. your shit together. Don't die before See, the next book comes out, please. Yeah. That works for some novelists, but he just needs to get his shit together. Exactly. No, yeah. in some cases, it, it creates really good novels. Right. But when you're trying to create this magnum opus, this this huge, complex, 55 million different stories, over 3,000 like named characters, probably way more than that. Yeah. Um, like, you Three, need... You're stretching it, Nick. 3,000 is All right, a lot. Wait, we're going to Google it. We're gonna Google it right now because how I, many named characters? How? Yeah, I'm not even joking. How has many George R. R. Martin written? Because <laughs> it's a lot. It's certainly like way more than the typical novel or book series. Um, Let's find out, shall we? Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Uh, oh my god! It lists them by house. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! We're not going through lot. this Wikipedia page, but we're gonna. Um, <laughs> so there's 150. Major characters. Okay. Right? How many different characters have been mentioned at least once? Uh, 1,887. Wow. Wow, that's dude. That's a lot. So I was, I was stretching it a bit, but... Dude, that's much more than I thought. But wait, 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 yeah. wait, 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 wait. This only covers until book four. Okay. Oh, God. So what? book five introduces like 12 new places uh-huh. and yeah, a new cast of characters for each one. So I don't think I was that far off. Wow. That's really, really... There are 224 unique voices for characters in the audiobooks. Oh, my God. And That's I don't crazy. Even, I don't even know if that includes, like, family trees that he's made up for, like, 
just Game of Thrones knowledge that that weren't like mentioned in the in the plot. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking of family trees and like planning of a world done poorly by George R. R. Martin. Uh, uh, all right, J.R.R. Tolkien did it real well. Here's Nick. the thing: is that maybe the maybe the story isn't planned out, but he at least oh, mapped no. out the world. I and, agree, and he invented two languages. Oh wait, well, and, okay, like, well, all so, this other wait, stuff. Wait a minute. Here's wait a minute. The, here's the thing, Nick. Like you could say his. I think his planning. And I know is good. He's Tolkien just did too. slow. Yeah, He's no, just I slow. agree. He's I think good so. planning. The world is excellently crafted, yes. right? There's a reason people love the books and the show, yeah. right? He's just slow at writing the books. Yes, and, and I we love, love the you, books George. too. We yeah, love George, you, George, we love you. Good come job. on the podcast. Uh, Keep writing. Come on our podcast. Come on our podcast. Yeah. But like, look, I, I agree Sex with me. you. I, I kind of got away with being like super critical when I probably not needed. Uh, but one thing is he did not fully create those languages. He just, he, he sort of made up some words for those situations. Mm-hmm. A guy that worked on the show... Oh, actually see. expanded the language for the show. But neither right. well, creation like... of language is as expansive and thorough. You know what I'm going to talk about, Steven? As Lord is of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. You can speak Elvish. It's it, stupid. Elvish like, is... Nick can't do it, but people can do it. Like, literally, mm-hmm. he created the world, the language, the lore. There's a fucking Bible called the Silmarillion for Middle-earth. Dude. He created all of this stuff. And then he's like, what's a story I could tell in this universe? Dude, people yeah. major in Klingon now. Yeah, and also, like, there are PhDs in what? Tolkien, in Tolkien, uh, Tolkin mythology. Studies? Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> like, like uh, oh my God. The Elder Scrolls Skyrim has its own language. Yeah. Like, people people write languages for, like, like fantasy was, things a lot. Yes. Mm-hmm. Tolkien was the first, though. He was. He did, and he, he did yeah. Elvish, Dwarvish. And not only did he just make Elvish as a language— with its own unique grammar and vocabulary and way of writing it. Right. But then he went and created Dwarvish as well, mm-hmm. but then he created dialects with different pronunciations, different ways of writing, different, uh, like, you know, different handwritings and things. Mm-hmm. Like, the Mordor language is a form of Elvish, but he has made it so that, like, you know, like, you know, Mandarin and Cantonese are, like, they're both Chinese, but speakers yeah. of it can't necessarily understand each other. Right. Same thing with, like, you know, Mordor... And Elvish, even mm-hmm. though they both descend from the same language, he he thought it out so so well. Yeah, it's you're right. He's pretty legend. amazing. He's a legend. Uh, yeah, honestly, Will hasn't seen um, Lord of the Rings. Shame him in the comments below. Do it. Vote now on your phones about why he should watch Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I but know I have to watch them. They're also, good. yeah, we'll watch them at some point, but it's gonna take a little bit. Uh, longer than Avatar The Last Airbender. So. We're doing it this we'll, weekend, boys. Who cares about the Super Bowl? Yeah. We'll Av- just watch all of them in a row. I care. We should talk about Avatar The Last Airbender, guys. We should oh, talk about the Super so Bowl. Right. Who do you guys want for the Super Bowl to win? I don't know. I want the Falcons to win because they're the only team I know. I want the sports ball to go in the sports ball and the points. I also want the Falcons to win, but just because I don't like the Patriots, which I know yeah. is going to be a lot of... Uh, uh, maybe, maybe that's that's uh, polarizing. We got some but, sports ball No, it's the same here. thing for me. I don't even care about the team. Just Patriots fans are annoying. That's why I want the Falcons to win. Here's the Whoa. funny thing. I want the Falcons Whoa. to win because they were the closest football team to where I lived when I grew up. But that guys, was relatively sweet. good. When people are listening to That's us, it, though. Uh-huh. they're they're going to know who won. Vote. Tell us on your phones who won. I'm waiting Comment right now. below who won. Comment below who won the Super Bowl. Leave, us a, re- leave us a review and tell I us who won. I think it was the Rams. Yeah, it's got to be the Patriots. Let's be real. I think it's yeah, going to be the Patriots. Just like on my minimal football knowledge. Uh, I. But the Falcons have... Matt Ryan? Was that right? You're right. Matt yes. Pat from Game Theory? They have okay. Paul Ryan? <laughs> Matt Ryan's the only footballer that I know. 
what's his name? Peyton Manning? Is he a football player? Oh, you're right. He is. He used to be on the Colts, but now he's on the Broncos? Look at you with your sports knowledge. No, That's no, all no, I no. know. It's the, it's the other way. Yeah. No. no, no, I think you're right. I don't remember. Leave a comment about how is bad we Eli are. Is it Eli or Peyton? <laughs> Eli's on the Giants. Oh, yeah. You're right about what, that. What are the odds that two Aren't brothers they, wait, would be wait. football stars? So, let me get something straight. I don't know. High? Yeah, low. Um, How... What what is your do you guys have any like because we're just on this topic right now before we start talking about Avatar the Last Airbender, um, how, what is your guys's like sports background been sort of growing up? How, Zero. How involved were you in playing sports and in watching sports and what 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 was it like? Uh, for me, it was I started out. My parents wanted me to play some sports, and so growing up, uh, I was on a lot of soccer teams as a kid, too, as a little same. kid. I was, um, I played tennis. I still play tennis, but um, I don't, I don't do that many contact like sports anymore. Any teams, that many team sports, just because I don't know. I tried it all throughout middle school too. I was on soccer teams and all that, and a I was no good at it. B, like the ball never got past me because I was no good <laughs> at it. And C. Uh, I don't know. While I liked the people on my team and, and, you know, I had friends in middle school, I just, it wasn't for me. I don't know. There was something about it that wasn't for me. That's me too, I think. On, on uh, like, team sports, I was pretty good at soccer. I just didn't like it because mm-hmm. uh, that was that was the sport in middle school. Like, like usually oh, yeah. it's like football or whatever. Soccer was the sport. Uh, but soccer was the thing that people did. And I was, I was, I got pretty good at it, but I didn't really like playing playing soccer mm-hmm. and then i had to and then like a while uh like i don't even know um after some at some point in middle school my parents were like you should play on this soccer team it's not really competitive it's just you're playing on a team and mm-hmm. i was like all right and then it was stupid because it was like one of those things where it's like oh the coach was like everyone has to get to ball the ball so we can be inclusive uh-huh. but then whenever whenever someone passed me the ball i was just like shit yeah. <laughs> so and Same then they were like, everyone has to score. So people kept passing me the ball, and it was just sad. <laughs> oh, that is... <laughs> and I hated it. <laughs> I it don't was know. So if, bad. I, I mean, on one hand, inclusion is great. No, but I also pa- don't think that that's a good way to run a team. It is not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, my favorite sport is frisbee. That should tell you something about me. Oh, ultimate frisbee is oh. lit as fuck. I, I, I don't. Used to I don't be, get sports. I used to be so pretty good at ultimate, cool. but then I I didn't throw a frisbee for like two years, and now I'm. Bad. I was on my middle school ultimate frisbee team, and it was a good time. Yeah, well, because ultimate frisbee is almost the same as football, but with a frisbee, and there's no tackling really involved. And that yeah. was more fun. That was my only reservation about football. And I like, I even like flag football when it's just pulling someone's flag out. You know, I just don't like the aspect of having to physically take someone down in football. That's my one American football for our foreign listeners out there. I just didn't really like that. So I think that, for me, like ultimate is great. Flag football is great. It's fine. Just not not any of the contact stuff. You See, know what I'm con- saying? Contact never bothered me. It was just I didn't really have fun with this with sports. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I never. I I definitely do not like watching sports because I just don't get it. I guess well, I don't. I don't know why it's fun. There's some. There's some. If you are a real fan of a team, I could understand. Like for me. I get like baseball is a little bit slow for me, even though my my dad is a huge Yankees fan. Um, football, I just don't like that the that the clock stops every five seconds because yeah. someone gets tackled. And 
basketball, well, I actually... the clock doesn't stop when someone gets tackled. The clock, I mean, the clock only clock stops, stops on an incomplete pass when someone goes out of bounds, Peter. Sports. Okay, it's still very often, Steven. So... That, that, Football has, like, the lowest amount of playtime yeah. uh, in any sport. Most of it is you're watching them wait around mm-hmm. and you're watching commercials. Right. The actual amount of action is very low. Yeah. However, I have to say, uh, moving, switching the conversation a little bit to watching sports, mm-hmm. um, in football, like I, I, I'm not a huge sports guy. I watch maybe one to two football games a year, one of which is the Super Bowl. Me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of waiting around and stuff. Which is why I would never do it alone. I'll do it with people, with food, with hanging out. Yeah. Uh, right. But then when the action starts happening, mm-hmm. like when there's those bursts of action, I do get very, very into it, and I yeah. see like I'm like, oh my god, they're going, they're they're making it. It's like it's like watching like a battle. Mm-hmm. So I do understand the excitement of football, and I feel it. Yeah. It's you, you just should a watch, lot of waiting around. You should watch rugby because rugby is is uh, football, but no stopping ever. Oh, that's it's great. crazy. There's yeah. a movie called Moneyball that's about baseball that's really good. It has Brad Moneyball Pitt, is good. Yeah. Uh, Jonah Hill, uh, Oscar in movies. We always talk about movies here on the podcast. That we do. I, I, I would say that I like to watch basketball. I can get really into. I can also get kind of into even like hockey and um, all, and soccer. I do like watching soccer. See, a lot of people don't, but I think that it's to me it's more entertaining than football because I feel like there's more chances for something to actually happen and for someone right. to score a goal. Right. Like, well, because hmm. the reason I could never get into basketball was because scoring never felt like it had, like, any real impact because you do it, like, like this, it's like 80 to 80 by the end of the game. Well, like, yeah. Like, it's, so I, I just never liked well, yeah, it. Because all the players are say, tall and physically fit see, and able to throw a basketball. I, I, I was about to say the total Unlike opposite myself. thing. Unlike uh, myself. Like, you know, I, I'm from San Francisco. I live near the Warriors. I've met Steph Curry. Oh, damn, what? Yeah, uh, back when I had long hair and a freshman in high school, uh, I met Steph Curry. Uh, but, like, basically, basketball, I disagree with you because basketball is, you know, it, it's in many cases when it's a very large difference between the skills of the players, uh, yes, you know, it gets kind of boring because it's like someone's really far ahead, right? Which is why football's more interesting when, with the six points and touchdown stuff. But with basketball, when it's a close game, it is Way more exciting, especially if it's like you have some kind of connection to one of the oh, teams, like okay, like the Warriors when it was like very very close. Well, that, that, that's, that's that's why I think soccer is the most exciting sport, at least for me, is because each point like really matters. But it takes so long for but, those right, but they're so impactful. Like, like here's it, the thing: close games are more interesting in every single sport. That's true. Like obviously, close games are more exciting because then you get on the edge of your seat. Will they go to overtime? Well, Who's gonna win? Blah blah blah. I right? think my They're argument always is always more exciting. My argument is that the difference between a not close game and a close game of basketball is more than the difference between a close and not close game of soccer and of football. That's my argument. Of course, it's gonna be more, uh, more like fun and like interesting if it's a close game. Of course, I'm just talking about the disparity between those for basketball is different than soccer and football. I guess so, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the point is, I'm making jalapeno poppers for the Super Bowl this weekend, and oh, that is what I'm most excited I about. I am excited for that yeah. as well. You know what, also, though, that I can watch? This is just me personally because I grew up with it and I still play it is tennis. Like, when you have a favorite tennis player, like for me, Serena Williams and Roger Federer both winning the Australian Open was amazing because I love both of them. Mm-hmm. So, for me, that was like a, a real, like, yeah, kind of moment just recently. Um,. And it is, like, 
to to see the amount of power with which athletes can perform i think that tennis is a great example of that because while it may not look it when you realize how fast the ball is going how fast they're running and how hard they're hitting it it's insane i mean i could never move with that amount of speed nor hit with that amount of power unless i trained for years and years which obviously professional tennis players do but I mean, and this really applies to any sport. I mean, when you watch professional sports and realize how good the athletes are, you're like, oh my, holy shit. But for me, tennis is just a prime example of that. When I watch it, I'm like, these guys, they know how to play sports. My favorite <laughs> sport is pro chess. That's, that's a that's a great sport with only one known professional, Bobby Fischer. And I don't know who that is. All of the rest <laughs> are. Oh, the only one that I know is is IBM's Deep Blue, the computer that beat people at chess in yeah. the 90s and it was a big deal. Talk about solo sports. Did you guys see that UFC event? No. 207? No, can't, can't say that I, I did. I saw, I saw what's her face? The great yeah. return of Ronda Killed. Rousey. Ronda Rousey got beat up Yeah, she bad. got beat. Oh, goodness. <laughs> she, got, she lost. I don't, know, uh, I don't know if you guys know this. Know who Ronda, you guys know who Ronda Rousey is? She yeah. was in Fast and Furious 7. Yeah, basically. That's not a lie. Basically, she was like top fighter for a long, for like a little while. Like she was on an undefeated streak. And then she loses like real quick to someone who like kicks her in the face and knocks her out cold. And then she comes back after a couple of months, and she just loses in, like, well, it was, like, 14 seconds or something stupid, right? All that she did, she did nothing. She got punched in the face, like, 15 or 16 times, and the ref called it. It was over. Oh, my God. See, that's the type of stuff where I'm like, people are beating each other up. Why am I watching this I thought it was incredible. (laughs) Uh, I I don't get why people, like, 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 when you, like, when when I went to, like, middle school and high school, people's... Like role models were people who played sports. I just mm. never got that. I don't I understand mean, it, that. It, it it is often like a thing about you know perseverance, right? Like these people worked really really hard, but also like genetically, some of these people are just way better than um than than me, and that's that's like a thing that has to be accepted, I guess. Well, I never wanted to be good at sports, really. So I, I felt like it'd be I, cool to I, like no, run fast. No, well, like. I always wanted to be, this is just me being an asshole, but I always wanted to be smarter than everyone and not good at sports. Like, I would prefer to be smarter than people and not be good at sports. Pushes glasses up like in anime. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay well, like, no, really, though. I would, I would prefer uh, to be, like, pretty uh, smart and also to look like I'm healthy and to be healthy. Well, I, I, had, like, I had, like, a friend who had, like, I remember this from back in high school, mm-hmm. and they were, like, it was back a Back in it was high a, school a yeah. year ago. No, like, it was, like, freshman year. And it was a it was a question that they asked the whole class, and it was, "Would you rather have no hands or no legs?" Which was so stupid. But what if, it's a terrible question. But like half the kids were like, "I'd rather have no hands because with legs I couldn't play sports." And I'm like, "Are you a fucking idiot?" Well, you the, have to use hands to do everything. The, the, the thing, Not soccer, <laughs> Will. Would you rather play a sport or be really, really good at a musical instrument? Music, instantly. Me too. Me too. Uh, music. I'd say I would say music. If you'd be the best think, in the world at a sport or among the best at a musical Among sport. best musical Oh, no, instrument. sport. I, here's the thing, right, is I think that people look up to, like, athletes more because they're famous for what they do, like, more than, than it's because, like, I don't know. I, I just feel like we look up to a lot of celebrities because they're recognizable. We think they're very talented, obviously, but also because we aspire to be like celebrities. Right, but certain celebrities are actually, like, respectable and 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 have like things no, traits that you'd want to have of course whereas with athletes it's just oh they run fast well no but a lot of athletes also use their um 
people, their people, fame and money for good. People treat Usain Bolt like he's Stephen Hawking. He can just run real quick. Well, that's he's true. Not like... But there's also different types of people, like, regardless of what it is. If you're an actor, you can be a great person or a shitty person. If you're an athlete, right. you can be a great person or a shitty person. And we've seen in the news and all over the place great examples of both sides in yeah. both areas. You know what I'm talking about? Like, when an actor does something horrible, says something racist, sexist, all over the news. When an athlete does something horrible, it's also all over the news. Which is all Tiger the time. Woods was a big thing in the news for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that while while we do sort of idolize these people, we do at least hold them to a standard, you know. You say that, but I mean, let, let's let's look at these things, right? Michael Vick played sports after the dog thing. Uh, mm-hmm. fucking... Who's the guy who uh, punched his girlfriend in an elevator? Chris Ray, Brown? No. Ray Rice? <laughs> oh, yeah, Ray yeah, Rice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he, um... He, uh, yeah, still plays, that dude, he? fucking, uh, actors. Mel Gibson is a Holocaust denier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's also a raging sexist and anti-Semitic. Chris yeah. Brown. And guess what? People still watch his yeah. movies. Michael Vick still plays. We have a well, standard... Mark Wahlberg did a lot of shitty things in his life. Mark and Wahlberg he's threw also... rocks at, like, Vietnamese kids yeah, or something. Yeah, like, and so like, we have and a he's... standard, yeah. but then at the end of the day, we're still going to go see oh, the I don't, Mel Gibson I don't have a standard. I, I separate people from their work. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's a good idea. Like, I feel like I don't want to... Wa- we talked about this earlier... I feel like I, like, don't want to watch the Cosby show now that it's come out like Bill Cosby was a very shitty person. Uh-huh. Which but I, that's because he's so closely associated with the show, right? But it's also, I, I can separate him from what he, he did as, like, a and like an entertainment area. Like I, I like, just don't I want can, him having money that but I'm fucking, He's going to have money anyway, and he's Bill Cosby, and I don't even know what's going to happen, but it doesn't matter i guess i mean i don't, I don't know. know to me i would just i just feel uncomfortable watching the show now uh, and i just don't think it's well like i know, i don't yeah. i didn't like chris brown's music before he punched people but like mm-hmm. there's certain songs that he's on that i like and i still listen to those songs like it was i yeah so it's just separate, do you do you, do you yeah, want to yeah. treat it as if they're completely separate from their work or not i personally think like in reality they're not separate from their work so we shouldn't treat it like that. But I still, I mean, I'll understand if, if I'm not going to force people to not listen to oh, Chris right. Brown, right? Yeah. Um, well, going back to sports, though, my favorite sport is pro bending. We're going to talk about Avatar: The Last Airbender Woo! now. Woo! Transitions. Heck yeah. Pro bending was in Korra. Anyway. It is in Korra. Doesn't I've seen matter. the first few episodes of Korra. We're it's not, still good. We're I'd not... love to be a professional bender. Korra is cool, but wait, will you saw Korra without me? I've only seen the first few episodes. Nick said he didn't want to watch it. So no, I, I said I watched the first. Watch I, the only season God I will watch it, William. is the second <laughs> season. I'm fine with the first season. Excuse me. First yeah. season. First season is good so far. Let's talk about Avatar: The Last Airbender. We'll talk about Korra once you finish it. Yeah, or yeah. Um, get to past season one and don't watch season two. Yeah, so <laughs> I'll watch season two. But um, what a fucking fantastic show! Yeah, we're talking about it. I feel like we should clear this up. We're talking about this show because it might seem kind of irrelevant because we just watched the whole thing with Will because he had never it. seen it. So we wanted to show it to him, and, and, he, and he, we spent many nights watching the the episodes. I, we realized that the show has ended. Many years ago, but we feel as it though it's a it's a my heart. it's a classic and a staple of modern children's guys, or not I, even just children. It's just a good show, guys. I have a, a laptop show. sticker that goes over the Apple logo on my MacBook, and then when I open it, it's a sticker that looks like Aang, and his eyes and arrow light up when the MacBook uh, logo lights up. Oh my and god! That goes into the Avatar sticker. My computer folks. goes into the Avatar. Okay, state. but here's and, the difference. Uh, hold on, before we get into it, also <laughs> as always, spoilers. Watch Avatar: The Last Airbender. Come on. So yeah. yeah, here's the difference between me and everyone else here 
is they all watched it when they were kids. I watched it now. Mm-hmm. So well, we also I don't, watched it with you. But now. like I don't have the nostalgia for it that you guys might. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So um, let's let's just go over some things about it that I think it did really well from the perspective of people who watched it growing up as kids. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Will can go over to the stuff he thought about it, watching it for the first time as, like, an adult, because we've seen it both, so we're sort of affected by both. Right. So I think things that I did good as a kid, one, introduced me to the idea of dynamic and changeable characters. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right? The first is the first show that I'd, I'd seen that oh. was like, look, the bad guy isn't always the bad guy. That's exactly they what I was going to say. They can do something good. Zuko was an asshole in the beginning, and he transformed into a good person. It, it taught me, hey, look, bad people can understand when they've done bad things and can change and become good people. Yeah. Excellent, excellent writing that is complex when you watch it as an adult and accessible when you watch it as a kid. Right. And shows you the transition. There are nuances that you notice when mm-hmm. you're an adult. You know, some things that Zuko says and does, something the way his relationship with Iroh is. All these things are noticed more clearly and nuanced now when I watch it. But when I was a kid, I still could understand. And I'm like, Zuko is just one of the most well-written characters you know, like, Aang is the yeah. main character, but Zuko is the most well-written character. Oh, yeah, I would say that sure. Aang is one of the least well-written characters in the show. I think so. But just because he doesn't have really an arc. But, yeah. like, people like Zuko, Katara, even, like, even, even like, Toph has, like has Sokka, an arc. Sokka, Sokka for sure. Yeah. yeah. It, I, it's I, like a, there's all these, Sokka's I don't know. Sokka's dad even well has a character arc. Yeah, Hakoda. Right? Like, he leaves to save them, and then that's, whatever. Uh, what, what I liked, too, is that they wrote, Zuko, even when he was a villain, as, like, having an actual reason for doing what he was doing and and trying to, I mean, at least, like, it wasn't, he was just doing it for power, you know, to take over the world yeah. like his dad. That's his dad. And yeah. and I think that, like, that made his father, the Fire Lord, le- way less interesting. It's just because he's, like, an evil guy who wants to take over. Also, yeah. he was See, just never in the show. The main yeah. struggle, the main struggle of the final episode the, between Aang and the Fire Lord it, I don't care about that struggle that much because it's like I don't know I, I know Aang but you know Aang and the Fire Lord don't have a history together they're fulfilling their roles that they feel like they're entitled to the right. Fire Lord feels like he's entitled to uh, you know destroy the world not like <laughs> taking over the world to bring it in whatever fascism shit but and then on the other hand there's Aang who just like fulfilling his duty as the Avatar to bring balance to the world they're fulfilling their duties they both think they're right that's it the fight between Zuko and Azula, passionate, uh, emotional. That orchestra music. The music is really good. We'll talk about later. Like, you know, the show, you know, the Aang, Aang wasn't handled very great in the show, but it was still pretty good. Mm-hmm. But the show took um, took these, these like, story, these good story elements, good narrative elements, made them accessible to children, still treated the kids who are watching it with, like... <clears throat> Respect and is that they're intelligent enough to understand it, mm-hmm. and really sort of pulled through in the character department, in my opinion. Yeah, speaking of the last fight, I just, I just like, I just really love as a superhero fan. I just really love how it shows that uh, there's another way to defeat enemies by than by killing them. Yeah, it's just like as a superhero, as the superhero Superman fan in me, it just I just love that little part of it. Right. I also did like that they did preserve the character traits that Aang uh, did have yeah, in having him not kill thing. the Fire Lord yeah. with the yeah. life thing. I'm glad that they didn't give him the Batman dilemma for the whole thing and being like, do I break the rule? You know. I mean, I'm sure like people have died in the show because of Aang and the rest of them. Mm-hmm. They just don't show it because it's Nickelodeon. Yeah, and but also... But when it comes down to like delivering the blow, right. Aang doesn't want to do it. But Aang never 
in the show, Aang never directly kills anyone. Right, right. Yeah, sure. But when he, like, shoots fucking things at an airship with people and the airship crashes, those people probably die. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the show doesn't focus on it. That's just nitpicking and not, yeah. not relevant. Can we address the fact that the show literally says, like, it's implied that Jet died? Yeah, in, yeah. The yeah, show yeah. makes one episode. fun of it. They're like, did Jet die? I don't know. It was unclear. Well, yeah. I think we should we should save a section of this discussion for the filler episodes. Oh, the, they deserve a discussion. They were pretty their good. Um, but like, because right now we're talking about the whole narrative and ignoring yeah. filler episodes. Um, so there's only one good filler episode, and it's the play. But we'll talk about mm. that in a minute. The beach. I, I disagree. The beach. But um, will so we're talking about this from the perspective of like, oh, we were a kid. We saw these things really cool and great. Uh, you saw it from a more sort of mature point in your life for the first time. Are you um, saying I wasn't a mature child? Yes. I was a mature um, child. You why? fucking bitch. <laughs> uh, Will, what, what, what were your thoughts? Tell us what your thoughts on it, having seen it. Yeah, I like it. It's good. Season three is not very good, mm-hmm. but like everything is. I mean, it's it's a pretty weak. Do you think season one is better out. than season three? No, I don't know. They're like even ground, maybe. I think season three is a little bit better just because it has characters you already know and they're already developed. So when they fight, it's like, oh, this is a real fight that means something. Yeah, but um. Season two is a great season. Yeah. And it has so many good complex stories. The Library Desert series. Yeah. The Bossing Say Political series. Yeah. Uh, even the filler episodes in there season two. There weren't really any filler episodes. There was though. one yeah. filler episode, which was like a clip show called The Tales of Bossing Say, where it shows them all doing some things. But even that one, like, okay, can we talk about Iroh for a little bit? Oh, yeah. That's the one with Iroh, and it's sad. Right? There Iroh, was, oh, no. I want Iroh to be real. I want him in I know, the real honestly. world. As he, a real person. The scene, the thing is, Iroh is like a minor character, kind of, but he's also a major character. He's like Zuko's conscience as a character. Mm. But they still gave him a story, right? He could have been Fire Lord. His son died at Ba Sing Se. Uh, they, they, they did it so fucking well with like the scene where you see him, you know, the kid stops crying because he played the song and then he sings the song and it's the picture of his son and he's dead. Ah! Yeah. It's yeah. super good. And also the reunion scene. Oh gets yeah, me every time. yeah, me too. Oh, dude, gets me every time. That was a that was a cry scene. Yeah, damn. Yeah, it, yeah. Iro is just like every time something comes out of Iro's mouth, I like him more <laughs> as a character. Great. Yeah, which which I can't say for every character. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like he just I don't know. I love Iro so much. He he's just an example of pure kindness and is such a departure from everything that we've been led to believe about the Fire Nation from everything else that the world and the show has said and established about it, it's such a, hey, but not everyone is like that. And it's sort of, they do it with Zuko too when he changes. It's like people are capable of change. Also, there are some people in the Fire Nation who are just good people and not all evil because generalizations like that are bad. Yeah, right. It's kind of like in the episode where Aang goes to school and he meets all the Fire Nation kids and yeah and Sokka's like but they're evil fire babies and Aang is like no they're just kids also Sokka's yeah. beard is the best character yeah I was about but... to say like Sokka Sokka's a good character in general so good Sokka's beard is so funny and just so stupid oh my God, I, I love it I, that beard is my lifeblood <laughs> that beard is so um, good let's focus on my little... my lifeblood is full of the boulder <laughs> yes Will, whenever Will never says no to me anymore, he says negatory, and then he's like puts it in quotes and is like the boulder. Um, let's talk about season two specifically. Aside from introducing such iconic characters as the boulder, uh, it, it had the most complex story arcs. It had uh, we'll talk about the library stuff first, and then we can talk about uh, the sort of finale in Bossing Say and all of that. Well, mm-hmm. here, here's the problem with season two for me. 
is I had a month where I was halfway through it and didn't watch any of it because it was winter break. <laughs> yeah, that's also true. But that's true. it's a good season. Uh, yeah. the, the character design of the owl. In, that is, um, that's my favorite character design in the whole show. Really? Yeah. The, um, the owl in, in the library in the sand, in the desert. Yeah. Because that's, it's just, it's, I don't know why it's so cool. It's just really interestingly designed and it's really cool. I don't know. I, I like it. The, the library episode for me is an example of where the show is more nuanced as you're an adult watching it. Because, like, it, it's this thing of, like, it, it questions this really deep thing of, like, is knowledge something that should be limited in order to preserve safety? Mm-hmm. Knowledge. Knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Lamborghinis. <laughs> Like, like, what a what a deep thing to discuss in yeah. a show, right? It, mm-hmm. it that's something as a kid you're like, oh yeah, you know, Fire Nation's bad. But then when you watch it, you're just like, oh yeah, like you know, mm-hmm. that's a really serious question. I disagree with the spirit, mm-hmm. but it's like you know, to the spirit, conflict is conflict no matter what, right? Uh, yeah. So why should it let no matter who's good or bad, conflict is conflict. Right. So I don't know. That's that's a really interesting thing. I I think that. Like, for me, personally, I feel as though season the end of season one, to me, also doesn't really get enough credit because that, that for me, it's not the transition to season two that marks the transition of tones and maturity. For me, it's, like, the final arc of season one leading into season two because there are so many things that happen at the end of season one that are great in terms of the characters moving forward. Um, with Sokka's girlfriend turning into the moon. That's rough, buddy. That's rough, buddy. With Zuko finally capturing Aang and then realizing, like, oh, shit, I kind of don't know what to do with him, and, like, I do I really want to have the Avatar captured? And also the whole thing with, like, the, the moon spirits themselves, and you saw a little bit of Iroh's... Uh, a, you saw his badass fighting, but then B, you also got another You saw where they uh, called him the Dragon of the West. Oh, well, that that's, that's later. That's that was season two, but it was still cool. Th- that was good voice acting, too. Like, Iroh's, like, this, like, calm person throughout, and then, and then when, he gets angry, when Admiral man. Zhao is yeah. about to fucking kill the spirit, he's like, don't do this! What the fuck is wrong with you? And yeah. he, like, he... He's like, whatever you do to that spirit, I will unleash upon you tenfold! Yeah, yeah. oh my god. <laughs> Such a so good. good, like the whenever Iroh goes full badass, yeah. oh my god, it's amazing. He like you know, have you ever heard why they call me the Dragon of the West? And then it's just, more of a demonstration. Oh really. my god, <laughs> yeah. And then it's too cool. he is such a good, yeah, such a good character. And he and Zuko have such a, I I even though Zuko is all angsty and and pushes away from Iroh the whole time, they do have their moments of just like. They're such a like good pair. Dynamic you know, it's duo. like yeah. like the the moment when, when when Iroh does that, the Dragon of the West thing, and you see Zuko kind of like smirk a little bit, like he's he knows like, what's coming. He's like, it's gonna be lit, boys. Yeah. Yeah. When they're, that that moment to me is like, oh, I love Iroh and Zuko. When, when they're working at the tea shop, like just there's there's just like one or two episodes where Iroh and Zuko just work at a tea shop. Yeah, and those are really cool like character building episodes mm-hmm. because I would just want there to be a sitcom of Iroh and Zuko at a tea shop. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. And he continues to do it even yeah, after he's it's always sunny in Bossing Say. Yeah. Um <laughs> let's talk about because I mentioned the tea shop, let's talk about our favorite locations for the series. Oh, man. Mm. Uh for me, it's a tough choice, but I'm gonna go with the boiling rock. I think mm. that's a really cool setting. Yeah. How yeah. about you guys? I don't know. Uh for me, I really like the design of uh, Omashu, of, like, the city of Omashu, because it's, like, 
I don't know. It's like a vertical city almost. Yeah, shoots and like earthbending. Yeah, it, it, that's yeah. pretty pretty cool, I think. Although I'm a huge fan of just most of the Earth Kingdom. I really like Ba Sing Se as well because it's a really cool city. Um, but yeah, I, I would say those two, Omashu and Ba Sing Se. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Upside Down Air Temple. Yeah, I was going to oh, say that too. Yeah, the Western yeah. Air Temple. Yeah. yeah. Can, I, can I use a place from Korra? Uh, I Republic City? I is that the steel one? Uh, I don't know. I, I Will doesn't I know about that one yet. It, so don't. whatever the steel city is in Korra, that's, that one's that, really cool. That, that's made of platinum. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's a that's a spoiler for season four of Korra. It's not really a spoiler. There's a city. There's made a of city. Steel. It's made spoilers. out of platinum. That's Metal cool. benders can't bend platinum. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I, I like I haven't seen a lot of Korra, but like the first few episodes. I really like the stuff they've done with like they have like the metal bending police who are in blimps. Yeah. And then they, they modernize they the bending. Like what it's... if bending was a normal part of life here in New York City? It yeah. shows us that. It's That's super cool. cool. Mm-hmm. And pro bending is a, the coolest sport. Oh but, yeah. Whatever. Um it has but, like real rules and stuff. But the rules like, are like just... the rules are like I guess that's a rule because plot like I don't know. Well no there's I not, nothing like that is book. You know who I'd like to see try his hand at a at a bending Iro, <laughs> the boulder. Oh, the boulder would be so good at pro bending. Oh, oh my god, dude. did he you pretty much was doing that? Dude, when we, yeah, when they, did have, they did have they did have earth Have you gone to Cabbage Corp in Cora yet? No, the no. Cabbage Man's uh, descendants a... <laughs> have a yeah. car company. It's called oh, Cabbage Corp. Yeah, that's incredible. Oh my god, I love that. Um, that's, yeah, so I love that so much. Let's talk the Cabbage Man, the filler character. Let's talk about filler episodes. <laughs> He's oh, not man. a filler Old character. Sweetie. That man is sad and tragic, <laughs> all right? All he does is sell cabbages, and every time, in comes the Avatar and his snot-nosed friends, and they come in and destroy his cabbage cart. If anyone and of all us, he's trying to he do is make a living for his kids. <laughs> and all of his kids, oh, they only eat cabbage, okay? That's all he's got. Those all darn whippersnappers <laughs> are always breaking in and, st- and, and ruining his cabbage. If, if one of us was to be the cabbage man, it would be Steven. Um, I love that the, the play... You're right, I have that kind of luck. <laughs> That's true. The, the play was like, thanks to the help of a very knowledgeable cabbage merchant, <laughs> we figured <laughs> this out. You um, know who would also be? Old Sweepy. Oh, dude, Old mm, Sweepy was everyone, in one episode no and he one, became a meme in our group. No one thinks about Old Sweepy, dude. Just keep shuffling, I get you. Um, so, filler episodes... Season 2 literally probably only had one filler episode... Uh, which was the one that still had significance to like Iroh's character. But it was good. Though. Zuko went on a date. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, de- it developed character, which is what filler episodes I, should do. I if they like don't advance you, the overall yeah. plot, they have to advance character. That's what yeah. I, was, I feel like when you say filler episodes, I say it's not a bad like thing. character building. Yeah. And like I like you guys don't like some filler episodes in season three, but I just see them as character like building or like just character. I like humor. all of them except for the beach one because that one's just real. Like bad. why right. is the beach bad? We're going to talk like, about bad season about three's it? filler episodes because they are the most controversial fucking parts of the show. What's so bad about the beach? Why is the beach? What bad? happens? Nothing okay. happens in the. Wait, episode. Nothing wait happens in the other filler episode. Wait and you just minute. said it was good. Here's, wait a minute. Here's the thing. Things totally happen. The Fire Lord is humanized. That little baby turned into a yeah, killing it's character machine. Building. For like Zuko, two minutes. Yeah, sure. Zuko, it, his insecurities come out. May, why are you talking to that fucking dude over there? Azula's ineptness and everything but fighting come out. Oh yeah, you you your our outfit could uh, cut some ships because it's sharp and shit. I love how right. towards the end of the show they almost start humanizing Azula. Yeah, you guys. And she's right? like, my mother never loved me, and she was right. The you know? reason 
the reason Azula also that banishes I... everyone. <laughs> that was just really good. The anyway. reason that I despise the beach episode is because you guys clearly haven't watched any anime. I but have, they, but they do. Th- Will has, but they yeah. do this episode in every single fucking huge anime. Usually ever more than once. Beach episode, and it's the all it is is it's a filler episode so that they can show people like just. A, having fun at the beach, B, females in scantily clad, like, clothing, and C, it does nothing to advance the actual story. I don't know, man. And so I've seen so many of those. Every this anime episode does it. just pissed me off. All right. But I it could say, story. I could Zuko's say, angry at himself. It's I could important. Say, I understand I the scantily clad thing because they do show, um, what's her name, Ty Lee, a few times. But well, she's like that in Stanley every episode, thing. right? I don't even think right, that but, the Zuko but, thing is even, like... Uh, we've seen his insecurities already. I, I feel like the thing with May, yeah, maybe that adds a little bit, and later in The Boiling Rock, they, like, expand upon that. But, like, I just, I don't know. I feel like it, it wasn't, I didn't need it, is what I'm saying. I, I could have still liked Zuko's character without him having done that in that episode. I don't know. I, I just think that it's important, like, maybe that episode wasn't necessary. Maybe, maybe it could have been condensed down. But on balance, I like the depth that it added to all the characters. I think it's just a badly written episode. If you're going to talk about anime tropes, the episode to get mad at, which I still really like, is the fucking Nightmares and Daydreams episode where Appa and Momo are wearing armor and fight with swords. That's That's not not anime anime tropes. tropes. They show Aang is literally uh, wearing Goku clothes. But that's the joke. You haven't seen any... That's not a trope. That's just a joke. I mean, so yeah. why why is that different than the it's beach It's not episode? really. That episode's pretty bad, too. That episode's also but bad, but I that's like, like... It's funny, at like least, the though. The beach thing is... And at is, least is, has is some redeeming qualities. Funny. There's funny no, stuff. the, the beach, beach is funny because we made jokes about it while we were watching it. I thought it, it was funny. Whereas the dreams and... The daydreams and nightmares episode is... Avatar, like, making fun of anime and doing all... Like, it, it kind of is self-aware... That episode, it's like this is a ridiculous thing I that think we're doing. The beach episode is also the, self-aware. The beach episode extent. is kind of self-aware, but the reason the beach episode literally is an anime trope. It's been done in so many other shows before Avatar did it, and so Avatar now is just taking that format, putting it into one of their episodes as a filler, and then using it as a you know way to get some of these things done, maybe. But it's just that they did that in the first place that makes me mad. Is because I, it's like. I don't know. I feel like it's different just because it's not it's not really an anime, and it's also supposed to be a kid show, and most animes aren't. I don't know. Most Whatever. anime, I guess we're agreeing to disagree. Kids. I mean, yeah, a lot I guess, of them are. So I think this is this is the Shonen thing, right? Is. Like you could see this show was created inspired by anime, but for like a Western audience. Sh- sure. So as so Stephen and I, who did not really see that much anime, are like this. Is I cool. don't watch anime. Yeah, like this is this is cool. Uh, but then I guess when you when you see the anime influence, like I guess there's some um, there's a difference there, which is like I don't know. I still think that if you look at it outside of the other anime that have existed, well, and just look at the show on its own, which is probably unfair to do. Well, I am, but I still don't think that's a good episode. Yeah, I just. But, I don't know. Uh, I I like the the puppet show episode though, which is weird because that one doesn't really have any oh, character development, but it's just it's just a lot it's a lot of fun. That episode is just fun. For yeah. me, like, I feel like the beach episode has character development and is fun, while this episode is just like, a, oh, you forgot what happened in the show, so we're just going to show it to you and not have to write a story. It was really, like, I think you're wrong, fun, Nick. though. The yeah, whole I, thing. I would disagree was... on that. I think that it's fu- it's funny because it's like, you know, it, it's 
it's them reacting to this story. They've gained fame throughout the land for what they've done, and now they're like watching it play out. I thought it was funny a lot of the times to see the reactions. Whereas the beach, there's lines in that episode like the most important teens in the Fire Nation will be there. That okay? was funny. Dude, I liked that. Was that. Okay, that was fucking hilarious. Like, that was a joke. I didn't want Avatar to turn into a teen drama, which is kind of what that episode made it feel like. That was just me. one yeah, episode true. to make. I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I guess those criticisms like make sense. I still enjoyed it and the show me overall, too nick thanks steven no the show overall is really the good show overall though. is excellent overall and is really like good. watch it um <laughs> is there any any other thoughts on um the most uh, important team yeah. in the fire nation there's a my thought is worst character most unnecessary character was the guy with the laser on his head that was stupid. That you was mean dumb. Combustion Man? Combustion Man. He's so unnecessary. Nothing happens. He kills him with a boomerang, and that's the whole thing, and then there's no... I think that should just go to prove how badass Sokka is. Yeah, Sokka's cool, uh, but Sokka could have just killed whoever with a boomerang. They didn't need laser explosion that's forehead true, but to do it. it. it... If but that's also, the worst Sokka character of the show, then the show is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah if, the, yeah. if the worst character of the show is the one that didn't have any lines, then I think I'm okay with that. Yeah. And also, yeah, it's, yeah. The, it's the first time Sokka actually accomplished something with his boomerang. No, no, no. Sokka Sokka's boomerang always accomplishes something, I stand something, with Sokka's boomerang. Me too. It's good. I'm um, with boomerang. Although, I, th- I think I think when they were like trying to take over the Fire Nation capital... Sokka should have done some boomerang stuff to like Sokka, prove that he, he was cool. He did sword stuff, right? I think this, he did. the boomerang he to didn't... sword transition was like Sokka's like, all right, putting away my toys and becoming an adult. Well, okay, right, but I here's the thing: that, but then boomerang he saves him at the end with the airship. Yeah. Right, so he goes like that. That that that, that has meaning to it. He he's moving back he to the tree. He's being true to himself right. and using sword a boomerang. Form. I have I have a question. Sokka is better Captain Boomerang confirmed. That's true. Actually, I'm not gonna shit on my boy Captain Boomerang. Yeah, he's great in the comic books. Screw the movie. I have a question for you guys though that has troubled me, and I would like to know all of your thoughts on it. Okay. Uh, so in the final episode, Aang is like, "Fuck, guys, I don't want to kill Fire Lord. Killing people's bad and shit, right?" Right. And then, the Deus Ex Machina Lion Turtle is like, "It's okay. I'll just come here and I'll give you the power to take away people's bending, and that way you don't have to make the hard choice." I yeah no, that no. was that was a little bit. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's a Deus Ex Machina, and then there's the kind of story that you could say the Lion Turtle came to him because he is the Avatar, and he reached out, like maybe subconsciously into the spirit world, and the Lion Turtle heard him, and then he showed up. Right. Right. But I, I think what what would have been cool and made it better is if they had already established that the Lion Turtle was a thing. Mm-hmm. And didn't just randomly or that have it bending happen. can be taken away. Yeah, or, yeah. Like if Aang was able to not kill the Fire Lord, but the Fire Lord still has had his bending and like some other. Like I, I just feel like in the end, Aang didn't have to well, make cause, a choice. Because when you when you take hard yeah. choices away from characters, it makes the characters less like relatable. Less they're, they're worse characters because they don't have to make decisions. Exactly, I, and I, I feel, feel like, like Aang, yeah, I feel like they could have when Aang had him in those Earth cuffs. They could have just cuffed him from there and taken him to prison and of course he still would have having he still would have had his bending so it maybe that would have been like what dangerous if, what if but... zuko ended up like ang was like i'm not killing him and then like zuko killed him or something like that happened See, i think like like that... some other weird character okay, can, 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 can i ask you happened. can i ask you guys this question mm-hmm. where uh why do you like it that katara is the one who like actually won the fight where it was it was uh zuko and Azula. Here's the th- like, yes, why, yes. Wait, why, here's why. Here's why. Here's, 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 can I say why? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, my reason why is it is that 
Zuko never lost in a one-on-one fairly, right? Zuko right, lost right. because Azula cheated and then he sacrificed himself. No, I agree. I to like that Katara. Moment. That's different right. from from Katara having to save Zuko because I think Zuko would have won. Zuko would have won. Yeah, I right? think yeah. Zuko. To add on to that, I was gonna say exactly what Steven said. To, to uh, Zuko jumping in front of the lightning, instinctually to save Katara, who he used to like torture, kind of like mm-hmm. you know. He jumped in front and, you know, all that. Like, he was able to he was able to show that Zuko, as a character, truly had changed, truly had become a good person, mm-hmm. where he's like, my pride, my power. My uh, honor. My honor, right? <laughs> all these things that are important to me. In the moment where he's, like, sacrificing himself to be defeated by Azula to uh-huh. save Katara, he's like, I'm giving up on all of these things. To save a friend, right? Yeah. That more, I feel like more so than Zuko finally besting Azula, completes Zuko's character arc, and like maybe that's maybe I'm I, overreading I, I, no, into I, this. I agree with that, but I think that it's I like agree. a beautiful ending to Zuko's character arc because mm-hmm. we're talking about Zuko saving Katara. The in the 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 unanswerable question, the last question, uh, <laughs> is going to be: Should Katara have ended up with Zuko or with Aang? Discuss. Uh... Or does it not matter because fucking it doesn't I mean, matter. I mean, Aang was yeah. Aang I don't think she should have had to show. end up with anybody. Yeah, that's true. I the thing I is, that's... like, Aang was in love with her the whole show, so I would have felt bad if, like, I was like, Katara just dump Aang and be with Zuko because he's better looking and cooler. Doesn't it make cooler. more sense? Not really. I don't know. How I think it... I think it would have been. They I think it would have been cooler. I think it would have been cooler if Katara and Zuko became a thing, but but that's also assuming that Aang never like liked. Yeah, but if you have to incorporate like. Some like I don't I disagree with making every character be a couple with another character. Yeah, that's stupid. Ron and Hermione, why the fuck are you two together? You would have fucking broken up immediately. Fucking stupid. Anyways, um, like it's better. It's better than Harry and Hermione. I think. Yeah, oh Harry, yeah, no. I think Hermione the coupling ended up with Victor Crumb. Fuck it. I think the coupling of a main male protagonist and a main female protagonist is just very lazy writing. Yes, it is. Yeah, I agree, and that's something I criticize Avatar for. I don't think that, like, you know, even Aang and Toph had to end up together. I feel like that may have been better because, like, that you could have written in, like, Aang and Toph, like, sort of becoming, like, Aang is too, like, you know, chill with everything. Toph is too serious with everything or too, like, like, firm and, like, whatever with everything. And they could have, like, changed each other and brought each other more towards the middle. That could have been interesting. But, you know, on balance, like, I'm okay with Zuko ending up with May, I guess, even though I don't know why they'd be together. I I think it's weird, but the only one that makes a lot of sense, the only one that makes a lot of sense to me is Sokka ending up with uh, Suki. Suki. Yes, amazing. Perfect. Because they they hint that was season one, like, episode three. Mm. And that's the only one that makes sense. And it's good. Yeah. Plus, I love their relationship. Fan and sword. Because he's the total idiot and... She she's like the kind of intelligent one that's like, oh, I love you, you idiot. It's yeah, real cute when it. when Sokka makes like a fucking blob monster and he's like, yeah. it's Suki. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was great. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, they're they're great. I I I'm happy with how things kind of ended off for the most part. I agree. And then the the Katara Cora came in and ruined it. Just didn't kidding. Really it's happen, good. But you know, you know, I I just I in the end, this is a show that I could keep on rewatching. And I'll yeah. still be happy with it, right? Uh, right. You know, if, if you've been listening to all of this and gotten everything spoiled for you, and you still haven't seen the show, just still watch it. Watch the show. If you watch a show when you were a kid and you're now not a kid, because uh, you shouldn't be a kid listening to this. This <gasps> is an explicit podcast. Um, 
you know, um, notice the E. Yeah, like like you rated know, rated E for ex- <laughs> everyone. Yeah, for like you excessive know, cursing. Yeah, yeah. You know, just watch it. Uh, speaking of the explicit rating, uh, we're about to end the show. I'd just like to give two brief shout-outs. Ooh, all uh, right. First shout-out is shout-outs. to uh, Tim at Apple. Nice. Who is one of the people that has been responding to my emails? Yo, trying thanks, to get, Tim. Trying Thank to you, get Tim. us. Not Tim Cook, but another Tim, guy. Tim, my boy. My boy, Tim. And then, um, who just sent me an email this morning, Julie, senior advisor at Apple Podcasts, who also emailed me. Thank you, uh, Julie. Thank you, Julie. Can you please help us with the things I've been emailing you about? Uh, I really appreciate the fact that Apple is helping us out here. They're not listening to this. I know, but Can it's we okay. all give shout outs? Yeah, uh, we're only to people that work at Apple. Shout out to, to give Steve it... Jobs. <laughs> Rest in peace, Rip. Rip I, Jobs. Can I give a shout yeah, out? Yeah, sure. I'd like to give a shout out to all my loyal fans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've been with me through thick and thin. Yeah. And uh... Follow me on Twitter, Nick underscore Sonny. Heck yeah. You, you know what? I'd like to also give a, a brief shout out quickly to uh, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone for the movie La La Land. Emma I'd Stone, like to... I know you're listening, Emma. I'd, like to, give a, I'd like to give a shout out to the Lego movie. For the Lego movie. It oh, yeah. Thanks Shout out us. to the whole movie. Shout out to that whole entire film. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, I love, yeah. I'd like to give a shout out to you three because you're my friends. Okay. I'd like to give a shout out to you two. <laughs> I'd like to give a shout out to Peter and Steven. Oh, thanks, Nick. Thanks, I'd like Nicholas. to give a shout out to Nick and Will. Oh, man. Thanks, buddy. Mike one, Mike two. We love each other. I'd like to give a shout out to our mics. They work so hard. I'd like to give a shout us, out to uh, WNYU Radio. Whose microphones and studio we use because I work there. I'd like to give a shout out to Shoutouts. They really help me convey my thanks to everyone, and they've always been there for me. I'd like, like to give a shout out to the Tascam CDRW901. Right, it's over. It's over. SL it's over, professional recorder. Too far. It's Too letting far. us record. We can do this all day. Shout out to Smartwater. I've been drinking it all day. And a shout out to the album Black with Stars that I just found on this desk. I'd like to give a shout out to Shouting Out. It really and, helps me then. And with that, <laughs> shout out to the end of the podcast. Shout out to the end of the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, this was a little bit of a different episode. We hope you liked it. Um, follow me on Twitter at Nick underscore Sonny. Thanks for listening. Wait, we have to we have to say, like, I'm Nick. I'm All right. Steve. All right. I'm Nick. I'm Will. I'm still Steven. And I'm Peter. Signing Thank out. You. Thank you for your ears listening to the sounds that our mouths make. Help jazz. jazz. Steven wanted to name this podcast Mouth Jazz. It's a better name, Nick. Bye. This podcast is the worst piece of content that's been created. Ten minutes, baby!